Welcome in the somewhat mobile. When we drop data, it's not anecdotal. Talking the latest mobile trends with highlighting the surges and descends. Yeah, this is an original series from Aptopia. The intelligence provider here to help focus you. I'm growing your mobile app and putting you on the map. So when people pull out their phone, it's the first thing they want to tell. So crack yourself a beer and give a listen here because the best podcast and mobile just landed in your ear. Welcome into Somewhat Mobile, the show mobile app teams put on when they need to hear someone else's voice besides their managers. Today, joining me is Paula Siegel, head of consumer product at SeatGeek. Paula, be honest with me. This is a safe space and no one will ever hear this. How good of a job are you doing at SeatGeek? Are you doing doing a good job or how's it going? Wow, that is a great question. Uh, do you think my manager is going to listen to this podcast? Probably, no, I don't think so. I don't think I think this is fine. You can just talk about it. Okay. Um, man, how good a job am I doing? I hope I'm doing a good job. I just had my seven year anniversary the other day. At Congratulations! CP, so they've kept me around this long. So I, I think that that I'll leave it with that. Yeah, you must be doing something right. Excellent. Okay, so. The basics. Who are you? How did you get to SeatGeek? And what do you do there? Sure. Uh, Who am I? I am Paula. I came to New York 20 plus years ago because I wanted to live in New York. I got a (laughs) master's in medieval history and then said, you know what? I'm going to go build tech products. And that is how I showed up at SeatGeek. Yeah, we got to we got to talk about the medieval thing real quick. What I didn't even know that that was offered and I'm sorry to derail people who care about mobile right now, but we have to I think we have to crack into this real quick. What is that? Uh well, I think there's a heavy intersection between people who care about mobile apps and people who are interested in like so. the 13th century Catholic Church in Italy, which was my personal specialty. Wow. Uh how did I get into that? I uh like many NYU students, I studied abroad in Italy as an undergrad. Um, but while everyone else was like off doing fun things, I mm. uh, fell in love with medieval churches and all the history behind it and had a fantastic professor. And she was like, hey, there's this extremely niche program that almost no one gets into uh, that I think you should go get a master's in this. Uh, and so two years and it's, later, and it's paid off. It you, has you totally use this info at CQ, I'm sure, off. all the time. You know what? I think. I would highly recommend it to anyone. Uh, you know, you learn you learn to think critically. You have to c- communicate your thoughts. Everything I'm going to tell you today is rooted in my in my medieval studies. So amazing! And so at, well. at, at SeatGeek, uh, outside of being um, the team's medieval expert on the 13th century church, what <laughs> what would you say you oversee consumer product? What does that mean? Are there do you have different slices of product over at SeatGeek? What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, so consumer product is uh, kind of like what people think about when they think of SeatGeek. So anything a fan is going to interact with our our site and our mobile apps, um, but also a lot of the supply side of our marketplace. So SeatGeek operates a, a two-sided marketplace uh, for live event tickets. Um, so I also oversee building products for people who are selling on our marketplace. But then, of course, I spend a lot of my time thinking about fans and who is buying. Excellent. Um, and so what, what's your personal favorite type of uh, live event 
And are you obligated to purchase tickets through SeatGeek? Oh, well, if anyone's thinking about coming to work at SeatGeek, you are in luck because we not only get a ticket stipend, but we also have access to all sorts of other great events. I just put in my request for Disney on Ice at Barclays. My son is very excited. Uh, But my personal favorite kind of live event. So I grew up a huge baseball fan, grew up uh, just outside of DC. My dad and I drove to Baltimore every Sunday or team Orioles. The Nats didn't even exist when I was a kid. Uh, and so baseball has been a huge part of my life forever. When I moved to New York, my dad said, you can only move to New York if you never, ever, ever root for the Yankees. Um, so luckily I met a diehard Mets fan. Uh, who I eventually married. And the Mets are my, uh, probably my truest love at this point. Uh, We had a rough, rough, rough end to our season this year. They did not treat us nicely. But as an example of my Mets fandom, and really only a Mets fan will get this, but my son was born in October 2018. His name is Jacob. And pretty much everyone we knew, no, thinks that he is named after Jacob deGrom who won the Cy Young that fall. He is Got not. He but, is not. Okay. But Mets games, Mets games are are where it's at for me. Um, yeah, but between the Orioles and the Mets, there's a lot of uh, heartbreak there. A lot of heartbreak and a lot of orange. Well, that's right. All right. Would you say that, you know, obviously given uh, the pandemic and people staying inside, you know, is the consumer appetite for in-person events back to normal? Is it greater than it was in 2019? What's the atmosphere like out there? Totally. It is greater than it is was in 2019. I mean, think about yourself. Don't you, didn't you really miss that human connection? Uh, I'll admit like I'm a bit of a homebody. There was yeah. a part of me that kind of loved being at home every day and and working from home and living in my pajamas but still the like the the human connection and the the magic and the energy that comes from bringing fans together whether you're rooting for the Mets whether you're seeing your favorite concert uh, whether you're finally back in a theater on Broadway, like we all missed that. And the consumer demand for for events is as high as it ever has been. I'm, I mentioned I've been at SeatGeek for seven years, yeah. and this is the, the highest demand that I have seen for live events. Amazing. Came back stronger. Okay. And w- let, we, we have to dive into mobile uh, at this point. So of course. what, you know, whenever I've bought tickets, I've usually browsed on my phone. Maybe I buy them on my phone. Maybe I buy them on the web, but I usually start on my phone. So talk to me about the role that mobile plays for SeatGeek. You know, I, I don't know if you have this information, but do you happen to know like the percentage of listings and purchases made on mobile versus other platforms? Actually, And then I've, I have follow-ups, but we'll start there. <laughs> Sure. So I would say uh, if you're saying you're browsing on your phone and you mean uh, a mobile app, yeah, specifically the app. mobile web, then you're not going to be our typical fan because our most typical fan is going to browse on web. Now, the real story of the last few years has been the rise in mobile web um, and really seeing a huge shift there in consumer behavior uh, from everyone has to download an app for everything to doing a lot more like comparison shopping across the web. 
Um, but I like to think about SeatGeek a little bit in, in two parts for our consumer experience. There's the e-commerce platform where I'm checking prices and I like, you know, I'm going to look at SeatGeek. Well, I'm only going to look at SeatGeek, but you might check out one of our competitors on their site. Um, and so we do a lot of user acquisition on web and cater to a lot of that browsing. But at its heart, SeatGeek is a live event experience product. And well, I'm certainly not taking my laptop with me to a baseball game. But even even when you're thinking about mobile web versus mobile apps, there's so much more we can do in the app experience and how we engage with users and what we offer them. Um, so we're happy to meet fans where they are if they want to be browsing across web, if they are in our app. When, the, when they're in that purchase mindset, we're going to meet them where they are. And then we're going to nudge them into our app because we can say that is where you're going to have an amazing experience from the moment you whip out your phone to scan into the venue. How can we uh, communicate with them via push notifications, give them extra engagement levels with the event through our mobile app? So, okay, so you're acquiring users mostly outside of the app, but then you're ferrying them to the app because I'm assuming you want to give them like that, that more like native customized experience. Exactly. We know we can give them a better experience in the app. Um, but I don't want to say to them when they land on our site, you know, I'll, I'll you know, I might give them a nudge towards our app, yeah. but ultimately I, I want to, I want to get them into further into the SeatGeek platform before I necessarily say like, hey, hop over to the app store. Have I even proven myself yet at that point that they should download the app? Interesting. So so do you run any app install campaigns at all? Or is it, so you sometimes you do acquire users straight to the app? Yeah, absolutely. We do acquire users straight to the app and we do run app install campaigns. Okay. Uh, you know, if we rewind a lot of years, we did much heavier app install campaigns. And as but you I'm learned, sure it was like too soon. Your, uh, it was too soon. And as I'm sure uh, you and your listeners remember, I, remember, I think we called it interstitial get in back in the old days yeah, where you yeah, could yeah. put yeah where you could put up those like massive interstitials the second you hit the the mobile site and we'd be like nothing to see here just go to the app store um <laughs> but over time between uh search ranking algorithms and just understanding fan and consumer behavior we found that We'll give a gentle nudge um but we don't really want to put a big old frictiony blockade there yeah. What what are those signs that you're like, all right, now now let's let's push the app to them? Uh one thing is trying to understand intent to purchase. Do they want to purchase a ticket right now? Then great, let's get them through the funnel. Let's have the let's help them find what they are looking for. Purchase a ticket today. You have a ticket in your account. Now you need that app on your phone. Or are they just browsing? If they're really just browsing, if they're trying to see what's out there, hey, I think I want to go to something next weekend. I'm not sure. I want to watch ticket prices, things like that. Then we really want to get them to our app. We want to have push notifications on um, so we can help them through that journey, not just at this moment. Uh, is this like a 10-minute session where I'm just here to buy a ticket for that Yankees game tonight? And got to do it, got to do it right now, and then I'll get the app. Or is this more of a lot? Am I looking at the World Series? This is going to yeah. be a couple of weeks. I got to track prices. That app is where I should be. Okay. And 
One more thing on acquisition. Where I guess where do you have your most success? And is it fantasy football podcasts? Uh, <laughs> as as a as a fantasy player myself, I like hear SeatGeek ads all the time. You know, green means good, red means bad. Like this is all I hear into my brain. Um, and so, is is that like a major uh, channel for you guys? Nice. So we do. Uh, we certainly do a lot of podcast advertising. Uh, and we have found that we resonate hugely with Gen Z. Um, we are the the app of choice uh, and really the product of choice when it comes to live events and Gen Z. Uh, we have 26% uh, of our total user base identifies as Gen Z. And so we are, I, you know, I mentioned earlier, meet fans where they are. That That includes marketing as well. And so podcasts, big on influencer marketing, TikTok, YouTube, you're going to see a lot of us there. We also use more traditional uh, marketing efforts um, and paid search continues to be uh, a big part of our acquisition efforts. And then the other really big one is our enterprise business. So we sign enterprise partnerships and that is a great, great, great way to introduce fans to SeatGeek. Enterprise meaning like company events or, or what? Uh, so enterprise for us is uh, when we are actually the official ticketer for a team or a mm, venue. Okay. So I'm sitting here in Brooklyn and uh, the Barclays Center, the home of the Nets and the Liberty and all your favorite concerts is an enterprise client for us, which means that when you're going to, when you're a net season ticket holder, all your tickets are going to be fulfilled within the SeatGeek app. When you're a Liberty fan and you're going to a New York Liberty game, you're going to use the SeatGeek app. When Justin Bieber came here to Barclays and you were going for that, that you know, that that on sale, everyone got to be on on their computer at 10 o'clock hitting refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> Don't actually do that. That's not the way to get tickets. Uh, mm. you're, you're shopping on SeatGeek. Um, and so it's a great way to introduce fans and acquire users through those partnerships because now they're all being directed towards SeatGeek. Okay. And I don't want to distract, but I am curious. You said refreshing is not the <laughs> way to get tickets. What is the way to get tickets? What is the way to get tickets? Uh well, I, you know, I'm not sure that we have reached an idealized state of how to sell tickets for a big concert. Like, who's your favorite artist? I honestly, so I'm not a live music person. I mean, I like it, but I, for whatever reason, do not go. <laughs> but if I, if I would, people I have seen in the ha uh, past that I can remember were uh, Jethro Tull. I don't know if you've heard of that or yeah. something more uh, popular, Kid Cudi. Okay, uh, I'll go with Kid Cudi there because I, I'm I, no offense to Jeff Bertolt, but I'm not sure that you're going to have to beat out a million other fans for those tickets. That's fair. Uh, I'm I'm now furiously trying to decide. Like, is Jeff Bertolt still around? Uh, they're still alive. I don't know if yeah. they're still. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but thank you. Um, so Kid Cudi, you know, everyone wants those tickets. And the big question is, how do you get tickets in the hands of fans? 
Um, and so the, the, the normal method is you have everyone all swarm to their computer or their phone all at the same moment. Uh, and they have right. a lot of stress and they're like, am I going to get tickets? How much are those tickets going to cost? Do I have to go buy them on the resale market? Will they be more expensive? It doesn't help the fans at all. So that's really what we're here at SeatGeek trying to do is how do we take the industry and the way that things work today and say, you know what, everyone's thinking about the artists and the rights holders and maybe even the ticketing company, but who's thinking about the fans? And so our thesis here is if you figure out what fans want and you deliver value to fans, then that will automatically create uh, value sort of down that value chain, starting with fans. So, so that's a lovely transition into some product focus things right here, which is how do you take user feedback into account and do you use it to choose what to implement or build specifically into the mobile app? We at Aptopia, we have a tool called Review Intelligence, but I'm able to like go into any app I'm interested in. I do a lot of work in the QSR space. So, you know, Burger King, McDonald's, and I can see top keywords of like complaints and and things that are working, aren't working. Sometimes, you know, you go into like streaming services like Peacock and HBO Max and like Netflix is a top five keyword for the, because they're, they're always being compared. And so there's yeah. a lot you can learn from that feedback, but you know, how do you take that into account? How do you understand it? And are you able to act on it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, we do a lot of UXR here but also have uh, a heavy emphasis on data. It's really a mix of quant and qual data for us. It is everything from understanding like where are our CX touch points and why are people reaching out to us for help post-purchase? How can we make the, the whole experience better so that they don't need help? It is putting prototypes in front of users to get feedback on uh, it's doing surveys and user interviews to understand what are the pain points, really trying to, to figure out what are the pain points and the wants and needs of fans. And now, you know, I think we all know in the product world that fans might tell you they want one thing and they, they actually want another. So really rooting it in those problem spaces rather than just specific solutions. And then as we build, we're, we're, very much uh, subscribe to the ship early and often mindset. So just getting things in front of users and see how it resonates with them. And how how do you take that feedback? Is it through app store reviews? Do you have feedback forms? How, how do you receive it? Yeah. Uh, any way that you can think of, we are getting feedback. We are looking at app store reviews. Uh, we are looking, uh, we do a lot of voice of the customer here with our CX team, uh, we are sending NPS surveys and other uh, surveys to our users. And, and then again, like focus groups, user interviews, actually speaking. Right. You, you, yeah, you have a full full circle going on here. Right. Yeah, I loved uh, our UXR team had like a, an outing to a concert one night at Barclays. And they the next day, they're like, hey, we spent our whole time talking to other fans and like doing uh, doing user interviews at the concert. Amazing. That's fun. How much time do you put into, if, if any at all, like competitive intelligence and understanding where your competitors are succeeding or failing? Mm -hmm. A decent amount of time. 
I obviously am a little biased here, but I believe that our our consumer product and our obsession, and I, I use that word uh, intentionally, really an obsession with fans yeah. and, and the details and uh, everything from like pixel alignment to like real to transitions and then like what is the actual user experience we could do a whole delivering? podcast on pixel alignment that'll be the oh next my one god when i first came to seek geek you, you had to download pixel winch your first day and we like obsessively measured pixel alignment uh i was yeah, kidding i have whole... no idea what that is i'm sorry <laughs> oh. oh man adam i thought we had a whole nother podcast lined up here uh, so we, yes, we look at our, our, our competitors apps, um, and we want to understand what they're doing and, and where it resonates, uh, with users. But my preference is that our competitors are all studying us. And mm-hmm. if you look at our products over the years, you can see that, uh, I like to, to call us sort of like the R and D team for live events. We want to be the ones that are pushing forward. We want to be the ones that are raising the bar on what that live event experience, whether it's finding events, whether it's shopping for tickets. And then really when it comes to actually attending an event and the engagement that you can have with someone beyond the moment that they scan in the door, we want to be the ones raising the bar. We came in as the new player with a lot of very established competitors that were running on legacy tech and legacy products and weren't even thinking about mobile apps 10 Mm -hmm. years ago uh, when we were launching our mobile app. And we really wanted to come in and say, you know, it is not 1995 anymore. Uh, and this is what modern ticketing looks like. This is what modern fans want. So of course we look at our competitors, but we want to be the ones that they're looking to for inspiration, not the other way around. Okay. Also, I noticed, and let me know if this is accurate. So I, I work at Aptopia, obviously, and I was checking out the SeatGeek app and I saw that you guys have the Lyft SDK and uh, and SnapKit installed. Is that true? And, that is correct. Uh, Okay, excellent. Otherwise, we were going to have to just immediately cut that out. Um, <laughs> no, how, how do you? That's interesting. Uh, how do you? How do you leverage each of those? Like, what is? What does that look like on the on the consumer side? Yeah, so I've, I've mentioned the actual experience of uh, attending an event. We call that part of our product rally, um, and it's everything from the moment that you purchase your ticket to through the end of the event as you start thinking about the next thing that you want to go to. And how can we almost be your event day concierge? How can we help you get excited for the event? Maybe I'm going to a concert and I've got a Spotify widget in the SeatGeek app uh, playing the, the performer. Maybe it's the opening act that I've never heard of. Everything in one place. I've got, you know, a Google map uh, widget to help me figure out how to get there when I should leave and then snaps. So I'm at the event. How can I be telling everyone, you know, an event is only as good as, uh, as the picture that you posted to your yeah, social pic- media. Yeah, didn't right? happen, right? Exactly. Um, so how can we have you launching that right from the Seeky Gap? You're already in it. Um, maybe uh, adding some cool branding or, or other 
other stickers to your snap. Uh, and then, you, you know, you want to go get home at the same moment that every other fan wants to get home. And that's where the Lyft SVK comes in. We have an integration there. Where are the right pickup spots within the venue? Get you right out. That's your way home. super important, by the way. Um, I lo- I'm a Boston Bruins fan. And I learned uh, the hard way, basically never to take a Lyft or an Uber after the game, unless I'm walking very far away. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay. I love those integrations. That's awesome. Last question before we play a little game here. Where, and you can answer this for like the industry or your app itself. I was going to say, where do ticketing apps go from here? But um, you, I'm feel free to speak like specifically to, to SeatGeek if you, if there's anything you can tell me that that that's coming or, or how you guys are thinking about, you know, the future of, of ticketing apps or your app. Sure. So when you say ticketing, I think everyone pictures, uh, you might picture an actual hard stock ticket, a ticket stub, uh, or maybe you're, you're picturing like a PDF that used to print out. Uh, maybe you're actually thinking about a mobile barcode but all of these things, they're so static. And what I want you to think about when you think about ticketing is not static at all, but really a whole unlocking of your event day experience. How do you make a ticket more than a ticket? How do you make a ticket more than a piece of paper or barcode? Uh, How do you make it your, I mentioned a concierge before, um, a wall, a mobile wallet, Uh, When I go to a baseball game, I do not want to go stand in line for three innings just to get a hot dog and a beer uh, and then probably spill half the beer on me on the way back as I'm jostling through the crowds. How can I order that within the SeatGeek app? Go pick it up. How can I have someone deliver it to me in my seat? They know where I'm sitting. Uh, You know, I'm going to go to a game and I or I'm going to an event and I don't want to wait at the merch table the whole time. How can I order that thing? right but right inside the SeatGeek app I want to you know you talked about fantasy football how could I engage right there within the SeatGeek app all of these things are all part of your event day experience and how can we bring them all into one place and really have a whole nother level of engagement would you ever go as far as to say that SeatGeek is trying to build a a somewhat of a super app? That's a, that's a theme we've been seeing lately, and some companies have been using that terminology. I'm I, I'm curious if SeatGeek is there. A super app. So we have not used that terminology, but sure, yeah, really relating to why should you have to, as a fan, go into 10 different apps on your phone when mm-hmm. we can bring you all of those things in one place? Awesome. All right, are you ready to play? A little game of two apps and a lie. I am so ready to play. I have to tell you, I'm a very competitive person. But <laughs> it's I an have easy game. <laughs> never had so little confidence in my ability to win. I, I've listened oh, to I... you before and you're good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. So in case anyone uh, doesn't know uh, how this game is played, it's very simple. Uh, I'm going to read three app names, titles. And their app store descriptions. Two of the apps are real. One of them I made up. Uh, and you just have to see if you can spot the lie. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. The first app, one word, is called RunP. The RunP app exists to improve your movie going experience. The database is updated weekly with the latest movies, so you know the best times to run and pee without missing the best scenes. 
Of course, we provide a synopsis with each P time so you will know exactly what you missed while you're gone. Uh, there's no other information like this in the war in the entire world. We have over 1900 movies in our database and more added every week. How does it work? The built-in timer will alert you by discrete vibration 30 seconds before each pee time. So you don't have to worry about bothering the people around you in the theater. Now you can relax and enjoy the movie without wondering when to take a break. I okay. hope it's real. I, I will <laughs> download it. If I ever actually go to a movie theater again, <laughs> the next app is called yo. You have a list of your friends and tap to send them. Yo, yo, it's that simple. <laughs> Gotta the, be real. The third app is called You Up? Question uh, mark. Description is the mainstream dating apps haven't been working for you, and you went home alone again after a night out. You're craving companionship, but don't want to regret your texts in the morning. That's where You Up comes in to save the day, or should we say night? With You Up. You can make matches whenever, but communications are restricted to every night between the hours of 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. within your chosen time zone. Everyone on the network understands the situation. Don't deal with the uncertainty you'll feel when texting your ex's best friend at 1 a.m. Find out if they're up tonight. So, oh, Paula, my Paula, goodness. I, I ask you, which is the uh, fake app? Is it Run P? Um, is it Yo? Or is it You Up? Oh, Adam, you've done it again. Uh, I think all of these should be real apps. <laughs> I So I feel like the simplicity of Yo, I think it's a real one. Uh, you up, gosh, it just, just makes me happy. I got married such a long time ago before dating apps. <laughs> I just <laughs> yeah. don't know how I would fare. As much as I want Run P to be a real app. I'm just thinking that's a lot of work to scale it. You said 1900. First of all, you had you had a lot of good details in there, um, but I don't see a lot of funding behind Run P, <laughs> and that's a lot of movies to to be watching what as they a, come what out. It's a passion project. Yeah, you know there are plenty of people that have a lot of time on their hand. But maybe just because I want to say it one more time, I'm going to say that Run P is the fake app. Unfortunately, you are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Run P is a very real app, and uh, they actually updated. It doesn't have too many downloads, but uh, it looks awesome. So, well, they are about to get another download from me today. Yeah, the I don't know how well it works. I, I haven't installed it. Uh, the fake app is the dating app. You up? question mark mm. although you know hopefully hopefully someone uh, a developer listening to this will go and make that that would be fun it's a good name i like it all right paula thank you so much for joining me talking us through uh seat geek and and everything going on there uh and maybe we can have you back one day uh, we can talk all about pixels that's right <laughs> thanks so much adam this was fun This is it, what? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The Jiki Vons and Sugar Dons can't quit, what? Now pop the caucus in the Vega and get lit, what? 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 Introducing Phantom of the Dark Walk through my head vent with levitation from reefers drenching deep as any seven show bolting with rugas, flash vines, Bella Fonte Digger. Let's get for what this worth as we confiscate your figures. Yes, and over brown, levitating G.